Fluent NYC presents the Be Fluent podcast, hosted by Marcia and Zena. I'm your host, Masha. And I'm Sina. And we are back with another fun episode of the Be Fluent podcast. This week our theme is a little serious, although I guess we've waited long enough for it to be kind of, you know, we have got some hope now, right? But so yeah, we're talking coronavirus. And uh, we've, we've held off, but I think there's a lot to say, no, Masha? Yeah, I mean, I guess... Um, I feel like I've been talking about it um, for a little bit over a year, but yeah, I feel like um, it's kind of in some ways coming to an end. Not everywhere though, right? Sure, surely not. In fact, yeah, right, when we talk about India or, or some some other places, yeah, it's not even close to being better. Uh, in fact, it's getting quite worse, but but we're, we're not talking about the bad side. What we're here to talk about... And so, of course, we've got a fun episode. We have a really um, special guest this week, insofar as it's going to be a real challenge, I think, for, for our listening uh, purposes. Uh, including me. <laughs> it was very difficult. So we're doing... Uh, so we sort of had our first dialect in our last episode with... With Keisha, she's, I mean, she's been in the U.S. for so long, you don't really hear much of it, but, like, she's, she has a slight Jamaican accent. Um, this, however, there's no watering this down. This is a hardcore um, Glasgow, Glaswegian, Scotland, Scottish accent. Um, but, so, I guess let me introduce this guy. So, Kartal Ower is a, a friend of mine from... Um, some of my other podcast work that I do, uh, I do a podcast about Besiktas, my favorite uh, football or soccer team. I don't know. It depends where you're from, which which word you're using there. Um, but so, yeah, I, I do a podcast where I talk about my favorite team, and he's helped me out a lot with it. Uh, we do a fundraiser where we're getting, like, shirts for some kids in Africa who, who are playing soccer for an academy that wants to link up with Besiktas, and He's been really helpful, like getting shirts and helping me, like um, get the word out. So you know, he's a good dude, and um, he's got a twin brother. So there's a funny, you know, little side aside there. But anyway, um, he works. He lives in Scotland. Uh, he's also half Turkish, like myself, but his mother is Scottish. Um, and in Scotland, during the height of the coronavirus pandemic. He he was working for the NHS, and they needed extra people to help out um, test and trace, which is a vocab word we're going to get into. Uh, but he they, they were trying to, to get people to call people who are testing positive for coronavirus and give them advice and lead them through what they needed to do and to check in on them every few days to make sure they were doing well. And they didn't need to see any, uh, the emergency room or anything. So, um, in, in England, or actually not England, in the UK, because he's in Scotland, um, they, they did this service, which is more than we had here in the United States, to be honest. Uh, and it's totally free service because it's part of their NHS, which is the National Health Service there. Um, but so I thought it was actually really interesting, kind of fascinating that that 
A, that they have this, and so wherever you are, listener, you may or may not have something like this. Um, the United States is particularly bad regarding kind of um, health care and these types of services that would be need that would need to be run by the, the sort of federal government. Um, any notes, Masha, on like health care or anything like that before we dive in? Um, I think, you know, I think many people know that in the U.S. we have some issues with health care. Um, it's very expensive and um, even, even, you know, the Affordable Care Act or what people call Obamacare, that's also expensive and you have to be very, very, very poor, I think, to get kind of free insurance. And really, there's no equivalent to the National Health Service. We have like Medicaid, which is like an insurance program, essentially. It's like a card that you can provide at a hospital, but there's no like, I mean, I guess there's like the CDC, but they're not really involved in our lives the way, right? Like we don't have a service that's national. Yeah. Um, So with, I think during like the worst of COVID, people were like scared to go to the doctor because they were scared to go to the hospital because I mean, they just, I think we as Americans are always scared to go to the hospital because it's, it's kind of like, oh my God, how much is it going to be? And some people ended up paying, having to pay like $90,000 after getting COVID and recovering. In the beginning, before before there was any plan in place. And again, this is sort of the last presidency, which had all kinds of problems with this. And they were kind of pretending like we didn't have this problem and that they didn't want to really do anything about it for a while. But, um, hang on, we have uh, ambulances in the background there. Um, I'll leave this going. Let's just roll with it. Um, It's a good thematic sound, I guess, in the background. But anyway, so during that time, when when there was no plan in place, some people were getting bills, and and I saw some crazy stuff, like $500,000 bills for the test and the you know, being incubated and, and all this stuff. You know, people were really getting, you know, on top of the fact that people were were dying, of course, and didn't know if they were to survive in the beginning, especially like when we didn't even know how to treat it very well. Um, there were so many mysteries, and yeah, it was, yeah, the United States sort of failed that test, I think, objectively, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we're talking in the, in our upcoming podcast, we're going to be talking with, a guy who's from the United Kingdom and who worked for their National Health Service and who um, was doing this service that, like I said, we didn't, we don't have or didn't have or haven't had. Um, but so just real quick, uh, I should note, so I, I interviewed him in February. We, we're, we've struggled to get this this episode up and running. Apologies, as always. Um, but so in February, 50% of the UK had been vaccinated. This was right after our presidency's change and Biden had come into power here. Um, they hadn't really done much yet. They're, they hadn't had the opportunity to do much. Um, but so this was sort of a reflection of what Trump had managed to do until that point, mostly. I think at this point, Biden had been in power, in, in office for like two weeks. Uh, but so... 
like I said, the UK had 50% of their country vaccinated already by then, and we only had 10% of the country vaccinated. Um, they only had access to the vaccine like two or three weeks earlier than we did, so we don't really have an excuse on that end. They were just much better at getting the word out. Again, and I think that's a credit to the National Health Service and the fact they had this thing. Well, also, I think the person that was in charge for four years before Biden didn't really think that Corona was an issue and like secretly got vaccinated, but didn't even tell anybody. Yeah, he was undermining all the information and kind of trying to convince people it was nothing like it was not as bad as the flu for a few months and and then kind of telling people not to wear masks and all these things all the things that were sort of not supposed to happen he was encouraging for a long time so i think when biden came in uh because he does believe in science um things had to get started right there had to be so much paperwork probably to get it going and yeah implementing it in all the states and, and another important Note, of course, is that the population of the United States is 328 million, and maybe that's not so precise, you know. Uh, whereas the population of the United Kingdom is like 60, yeah, almost yeah. almost 67 million. So, scaling wise, it's a lot easier to vaccinate more people. Uh, but even then, right? I mean, it's it's just one thing to say that, but you're still talking about getting people to places where they're getting shots injected, and you're having staff available. So, it's no small feat, uh, and I and and I don't think. We really have an excuse because we also, like, I, we have a lot more capacity here in the United States, theoretically, or we should, if our healthcare system being so private, we're, we're you know, for, they say it's supposed to be more efficient because it's private and that uh, the big art, you know, when they say that, like, we, we shouldn't have a system like Canada, it says, oh, it's because it takes longer to get, you have to wait online and, you know, so... That should still not have been the case, that they were so much more efficient and fast at getting vaccinated. Um, I should say that we're up now since February um, to, to 35% of this country being vaccinated, uh, whereas in the UK they're, they're already up to about 65 to 75%. Um, so, Well, there are a lot of people in the, in the US who are scared of getting the vaccine um, or just yeah, not because of health, but because they think, like, it's like the government is trying to spy on them. So there's a lot of misinformation about the vaccines. Um, and a lot of fake news, which is a, a problem of the, the world of late. Um, but so, yeah, that's, that's, that's that. Obviously, the coronavirus has been a huge problem. Um, at the time of the interview, 27.4 million Americans had been diagnosed with coronavirus. Now it's up to 32.6 million. Um, 4 million people in the UK had been diagnosed. The UK also got hit pretty hard. They had their own variant, right? Their own sort of special kind of it, which spread here and made things worse. But so anyway, that, that's just some of the numbers. Um, let's, I suppose, let's, do the let's talk about vocabulary because you're going to hear the interview in the the fun dialect in the upcoming episode. But so first, of course, we're going to prepare you with some vocabulary words that you should review and practice before the upcoming episode. So let's let's dig in. Masha, wh what, what's our first vocabulary word of the week? So the first word is folks. And 
um, it's kind of like just saying, hey, guys, or uh, it's it's kind of saying, like, people. Yeah, I mean, guys is typically more like men, mm. right? Um, ladies would be more for women. But so folks is more like general for a group of men and women. You know, you don't have to worry about offending anyone. Like there were a lot of folks outside. Yeah, hey, folks, how are you doing? Right, instead of yeah. hey, guys. Or hey, everyone. Hey, ladies, right? So it's it's like gender neutral, we could say. Um, the next, uh, well, it's a phrase, test and trace. Yeah, and I already sort of said it in this episode. And to, to test and trace is uh, a, a, what's ex- like an expression that became popular during the pandemic. And it's, uh, it's sort of a, a way to control the virus and where you try to have as many people getting tested as possible. Uh, even because, right, even if you're not showing symptoms, you could still be sick. So you want to know, you know, even if you're not showing symptoms, we want to know who has it. And trace is sort of keeping track. Of, of who has it, where they're going, uh, who they're coming into contact with, right? So it's a way of preventing the virus from spreading. And, like, some countries, like England, did that very effectively. Obviously, like, some really... Some countries where the government is, like, very strict had a, a very easy time doing this, right? Like, maybe China, for example. Yeah. Um, but, you know, here in the United States, they did a terrible job because, like... The government has almost no control over anybody's life. So, uh, you know, it was a weird kind of example of, of government's effectiveness, I guess. I still think it's, again, our leader at that time did not think that coronavirus was a big deal. So that severely influenced pe- most of his followers. And then I feel like people who were not his followers, but I, as someone who is the president of the country, I you mean... You just, like, trust the guy pe- even people who didn't vote for him and didn't like him, you know, there there was definitely, yeah. Um, it's li- it's really about leadership. All right, uh, the next word is <laughs> follow up. You're right on this one. Um, oh yeah. Well, this is kind of a good word for um, for business sometimes. Um, like a follow up meeting. Yeah. So to follow up means to just like check and see. So you could. Tell someone, hey, I'm just following up about our last discussion. And that that just kind of means like, hey, I'm just trying to see what you think about. Well, as a noun, a follow-up would be like if you had a meeting and it's like, oh, let's schedule a follow-up. Meaning like um, another meeting to sort of see how things are going based on the last meeting. Uh, and in this case, it's, it's more like... Uh, a medical follow-up, right? So it's like after you check in and say you're sick, they do a follow-up, which is to check back again and see how you're holding up, if you need to go to the emergency room, maybe. It can kind of also be an adjective, right? Like a follow-up meeting, or is that yeah, like I a... Mean, I, yeah, I mentioned that too. Um, all right, so the next... Follow-up appointment, <laughs> follow-up meeting, follow-up event. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So the next one is phone someone up. Um, to, to phone someone up. Uh, it just means to call someone. It's, it's a expression for calling someone. It's perhaps a little more British English. I think so, yeah. I would just say call someone up. So how would you use that in a, in a sentence? Well, I phoned 
John up last week to well, yeah, see how he was like, doing. Yeah, yeah. We, they, they phoned um, patients up, right, to check in to see how they, to follow up on their first call using both sentences, both words. Next up. Um, the next one is infectious period. So this means like, so infectious is an adjective. And if you think about infect and infection, so infection is a noun and to infect is the verb, right? So what about, what's a period? That's time. More important. Yeah. Time. A, so a kind of, uh, it's like time the, frame you could say, right? A period of time is an amount of time. Yeah. And infection infectious is like it means that the virus or disease is kind of uh, at its strongest point you can give it to other people so infectious period is like with covid maybe i actually don't know the infectious period like you can infect or i think give the virus days like when you're when you're not showing symptoms yet when you're most isn't it so, the most infected period? I, I don't remember. We had it, so <laughs> you think So we it means the time that you don't know you have it, maybe, but you can give it to other people. The next one is uh, deem or deemed. Uh, to deem something. D-E-E-M. Yeah, or something is deemed official. It's like recognize, right? Recognized as official uh-huh. by someone official, usually, right? Like, um, like a king is deemed, yeah. And maybe in this case, it's like when you get your vaccine, it's like you get the card that sort of deems you vaccinated, so kind of gives you the name or something like that. So, what's up next? All right, so the next word is state by state. State by state. Uh, it must have been me, right? Because they don't have states in the UK. Um, and so, yeah, to go state by state or like maybe um, how many people are vaccinated or how many people wear masks is different state by state, right? It means um, depending on the state, right? You could say country by country, people react differently to the virus or like... How much people love basketball depends, uh, you know, country by country, right? Or like, whatever. But so it's not just virus related, but state by state, country by country, city by city, right? Can you think of a sort of, how would you use that in a sentence? State by state, we're all reopening. Yeah, sure. Like one by one. Yeah. All right. So the next one is take it on the chin. Take it on the chin. <clears throat> it's a good idiom, uh, and it means like <clears throat> uh, to take a hit, right? Um, keep going after a hard experience. He took one on the chin, but he kept working through it, right? Like my soccer team, my favorite soccer team is trying to win a championship. And they've taken one on the chin a few times, but so they could still maybe win it on the last match day of the season, uh, even though they took it took one on the chin. A few losses. 
Yeah, I think, I guess we could say a lot of uh, businesses in New York took it on the chin. Took one, yeah, sure. During the pandemic, yeah. Hopefully I've survived it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the next one is get some normality into one's life. Ooh, that's probably very specific. Um, to bring some normality into your life, get some, it's because, right, normality is um, what is something that's normal, right? So to get, like, in this coronavirus time, this pandemic, where we're all stuck indoors and, you know, not going out and meeting people as much and, or at all, um, or to get some normality back means, like, to start living a normal life, right? Yeah, I think uh, as more people are getting vaccinated we're able to get some normality into our lives like uh we'll be able to go to the movies or to restaurants or um go to events i think so um yeah after like a, a time when things are kind of hard or something is not the way your life is usually yeah. and when it comes back to it that's what we say yeah. next step um the next one is to implement or implementing uh, you want to try this one i started the last so i think you're right oh um well to implement something is to kind of start it to make it to make it happen to uh effect so like to, create, to implement a policy yeah. is like to... Uh, to kind of create and start. To get it running, you know? Yeah, they're thinking about implementing a, um, a policy where you have to have like a vaccine card in order to enter certain places in New York. Or to fly. To fly, yeah. I think Europe is saying... Americans can come to Europe if they have a vaccine passport, right? But exactly. And if, if if you don't want a vaccine, it's fine. But you don't expect the rest of the world to accept you. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. All right. So the next one um, is to have the bravery to do something. Ah, to have the bravery, and so bravery is the noun for brave. Um. And I think like. I think we were, you'll you'll see, we were like commending the leader of New Zealand because she had the bravery to like close down the country and make those kind of difficult decisions that basically like they opened up and got to have a normal life like months ago, right? I remember seeing a picture of them two or three months ago going to f full soccer games like without having to wear masks and just being astounded that, that things could go back to normal ever. Uh, so, yeah, to have the bravery to make those hard decisions, right? Can you think of another example of having the bravery to do something? Um, so we have this really great representative in New York. Her name is Ocasio-Cortez, and she always has the bravery um, to... Um, speak her mind. Speak her mind, to um, really push for, for the people of New York and people of America. 
the working people especially, right? Okay, and the last one is rightly so. Rightly so, and it's maybe a another kind of UK, more more commonly British expression. Rightly so, rightly so. Um, <laughs> putting on an accent. Don't there. be rude. No, I mean yeah. It's, he has a great accent. Don't get me. Don't don't let me. And he has a tarnish Scottish it. one. Um, rightly so. No, okay. Uh, um, but yeah, no. Rightly so is uh, your match. What does rightly so mean? Okay. Um, so rightly so is. That's kind of hard to explain. It's like, yes, you are correct. I agree with you. Or like. Yeah, like, like for example, Jacinda Ardern made that hard. She had the bravery to make the hard decision. Made the bravery to make that hard decision, and then someone would say, "Ah, rightly so." Like, it's like, like I agree. She was correct, <laughs> right? Yeah, accurately or, um, or like the cats are truly. yelling because they want food, and you could say, "Ah, oh, rightly so." You know, it's getting late. It's yeah, um, or like again, it's it's just when we say that someone's action or decision was was correct and fair. So um, a lot of people were angry with the way that that COVID was um, being dealt with, and rightly so. So that about does it, I think. That, that's that's our vocabulary for the upcoming interview with my friend Kartal Ower from Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah, so uh, make sure to study the vocabulary and um, hope you're ready for uh, the interview. Yeah, and, and don't worry if you don't understand it. It's a, it's a pretty tough accent, honestly, but um, it's a fun one. And it'll be a fun opportunity to hear a, a very different dialect of English. But so anyway, until then, it's a pleasure uh, chatting with you all. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you like this episode. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.